Welcome to Mortification of Spin, a casual conversation about things that count. With Carl Truman, Todd Pruitt, and Amy Bird. Mortification of Spin is a weekly podcast from the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Let's join this week's conversation. Well, thanks for joining us on Mortification of Spin. This is Todd, and I am joined, as always, with Amy Bird and Carl Truman. Today, we want to talk about something that's very important to the ministry of the church, and so very important to all Christians, and that is the ministry of deacons. What are deacons to do? What are their qualifications? What's unique about their ministry? And probably a little bit about the wisdom that God demonstrated in charging the church to have deacons. So, Carl and Amy, as I introduce that subject of deacons, I can just see cast over the eyes of many of our listeners a glaze beginning to come because now they know that we probably won't say anything that is controversial or that threatens our jobs. So how can we make this really rough and controversial? Well, we could start by asking, is it an ordained office and therefore should women hold it? But we won't ask that question. As, uh, given that you're in the PCA, John, uh, John, no, it's Todd, isn't it? It is Todd. It's, Todd. it's always it's been Todd. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 We'll stay away from the current controversies in the, uh, <clears throat> in the PCA unless I feel like bringing it up. Yeah. I've yeah. been in Philadelphia traffic this morning. I'm a little punchy, so maybe I will bring it up. Maybe I'll name names. <laughs> anyway. So we want to talk about deacons. Now, as a pastor, it's actually a subject that's dear to my heart because I'm really blessed to serve in a church that has great deacons. And so I see the benefit of them. Now, I grew up Southern Baptist. And one of the things I had to get used to, which actually I very much welcomed as a Presbyterian, is that in the Presbyterian church, when it's done properly, deacons are really deacons. Oftentimes in Baptist churches, particularly Baptist churches that don't have an office for elders, Deacons really function more as elders, and the church is robbed of a ministry that God has designed for it. So let's first of all talk about what the role of the deacon is, why it's unique from that of the role of elder. Well, typically we see the origin of the diaconate in the book of Acts, when uh, the apostles realize they're being taken away from the ministry of the word to care for the physical needs of congregants. Right. And so a separate category of individual is, is appointed to look after the, the physical needs of the congregation. So that's the historical origin of the office. I think it's, as you pointed out, Todd, there's, there is some confusion over what deacons are today. For example, I mean, if you look at the Roman Catholic Church, deacon is, is almost a sort of junior kind of priest there. In the Anglican Church. Yeah, in the Anglican Church too. If you look to, say, Martin Lloyd-Jones' time at Westminster Chapel, very similar to what you described in the Southern Baptist Convention, he didn't have elders, he had deacons, and they tended to function as elders. When I was in the Free Church of Scotland, uh, all elders in my congregation were also deacons. So you had deacons who were just deacons, but also every elder sat in what they called the deacons' court as well. So there was a, a huge overlap. In the PCA and the OPC, we distinguish the two offices so that there are elders who are looking after the, we might call the doctrinal teaching mm-hmm. aspects of the ministry, the disciplinary aspects of the church, the care of the souls, and there are deacons who look after the care of the body. Although, of course, even that is 
the distinction between care of soul and care of body is mm-hmm. is not a hard and fast one because often diaconal issues, let's right. say you know, lack of money, can sometimes be connected mm-hmm. to spiritual Absolutely. issues yeah. as well. Not always, but sometimes. So there are two distinct offices, but they certainly in theory at least should be carefully coordinated in order to make sure that all the needs, spiritual and material, of the congregants are mm-hmm. being dealt with. Yeah, you know, you mentioned an interesting point on the subject of care of souls and care for the body. In First Timothy 3, we have the qualifications for, for overseer, and then right after that are the qualifications for deacons, which are essentially the same, except for he must be able to teach. That said, clearly, when we're talking about a deacon, someone who is fit for that office, we're talking about someone who is spiritually mature, someone who is a churchman. And so they're going to have, and they need to have, some sort of ability and sensitivity to be able to care for the souls of people. Our deacons are having to do that on a regular basis because they're dealing with physical needs. They're dealing with arrangements for counseling, arrangements for financial aid, arrangements for various needs that essentially require, along with it, spiritual counsel as well. And so wouldn't so, you say that there's like an element of discipleship that deacons also take on? Yes, because they are doing really practical things with people like, you know, Carl mentioned the issue of money. You know, our, our deacons are very much involved in dealing with financial aid mm-hmm. for people. And probably more often than not, those situations call for conversations mm-hmm. where a deacon needs to kind of walk alongside a person. Because not all the time, but some of the times, those needs are brought about, at least in part, by certain things that a person might need help with, Mm -hmm. spiritually, maturity-wise, not all the time. Um, But deacons regularly have to have heart-to-heart conversations with people that involve biblical counsel, biblical wisdom. Mm -hmm. And so I want to make sure that people understand that we don't want to differentiate. You know, the elder is the one who has biblical knowledge, and the deacon is the one that doesn't have any biblical knowledge. We we don't want to make that distinction. An elder needs to be able to teach, mm-hmm. but I would argue that the other qualifications for a deacon, as well as their job description, demands that they need to have enough knowledge of the Bible that they can navigate a sensitive conversation with someone who has particular needs. Mm. So as pastors and considering also the elders that you have in your church, when you are looking for more potential leadership in your church mm-hmm. for elders and for deacons, do you find that it's easier to find one than the other? I think at our church, it's been probably a little easier to find men willing to serve as deacons. Yeah, probably a little bit easier. I think in the difference between, well, we're a much smaller church than mm-hmm. Tots. We don't have of course a, you we don't, are. We don't have a cast of thousands. I think when you're in a church of 100, 120, 130 people, it can be difficult sometimes to find critical mass of qualified people for either office. So right. I would say we have found it not hard, but it's not easy either to mm-hmm. find guys who will step up for this. So what are you looking for? Because, I mean, I know we have these qualifications here. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you know, Carl said before, these aren't like – Super high standards, feels like that. You know, most godly kind of standards you would have people, for, for a godly person, a godly yeah. person. Mm-hmm. Like, is there somebody that you know you you just say, oh yeah, 
I know that they would make a really good deacon. Like, what is yes. it about them that? Well, we uh, in the OPC, you have to announce elections. Right. So you actually have to canvass the congregation, Same essentially, here, yeah. for, for mm-hmm. nominations that will then be looked at by the session. Obviously, the yeah. session itself already so has some ideas. So look for the, these qualifications. Yeah. Lay people yeah. will bring forth recommendations, yeah. and then the session will vet those and have kind of yeah. the final say, mm-hmm. but those nominations come from the congregation. And, yeah. And one of the things I think that, and this is a cultural issue, for, for want of a better term, a lot of people uh, and a lot of ministers and sessions, I think, have the idea that the diaconate is a training ground for future elders, mm. that the office is seen as a sort of basic training, and if you pass, you become an elder, and if you don't pass, you remain a deacon for the rest of your lives. <laughs> One of the things I think we, the church needs to do is is cultivate a, an attitude that the diaconate is seen as an office with its own integrity, right? Right. and that if you become a deacon and then don't become an elder, it's not because you failed, mm-hmm. it's because you're called to be a great deacon. Right, that's a call. And mm-hmm. one of the comments made by, I think it was one of the guys at Home Missions in the OPC to my co-pastor, Chris Simpson, something to the effect of one of the problems with the diaconate is that the competent deacons get whisked up mm-hmm. to the session. So you always end up with the diaconate being weak, second mm-hmm. best. And I think that's something we need to be consciously working against. And, and part of that comes from articulating a vision of the, the office of the diaconate, which gives it its own integrity. It's not a hierarchy where you start right. as a deacon, get promoted to an elder, and if you're great at that, you finally make it to being a minister. There's a parity of office and an integrity to mm-hmm. each office mm-hmm. that I think Maybe particularly in reform circles when we tend to prioritize the cerebral and tend to prioritize the preaching of the word. Right. There's a gravitational pull towards seeing the ministry and the eldership as more important. Well, no, people aren't just brains, they're also bodies. Mm-hmm. We need a strong diaconate with good quality deacons in order for the church to function properly. Right. And fortunately, I serve in a church where the session is, has done that really well over the years. There's very much a culture that says... The deacon is a noble, God-given calling, and it's not a stepping stone. It's a Mm -hmm. destination for those that are called to that office. And so as a result, our church has outstanding deacons. And and I don't know what it's like exactly in the OPC. We may have very similar job descriptions for deacons um, in our denominations, but, you know, they're they're over the physical care of facility. They're over the physical care of people in the church. Mm. Um, they do a variety of things. In our church, they contribute very much to helping with the budget process. Session has final word, but it's wise. If you have good deacons, it's wise to involve them heavily in the process. We may be slightly different there. In the, we ask the women in for the budget. The physical, the physical care <laughs> of the building is, is typically a trustee matter. Okay. And we don't require that members of the trustees be deacons. I see. So, I mean, you can be a woman trustee in the mm-hmm. OPC. Yeah. That's we don't have trustees. A, a significant issue. Yeah, we don't have trustees. Do you not? No. No. Mm-mm. No. Interesting. Yeah. You know, in the PCA, we're very careful not to have unbiblical offices. You know, in <laughs> it's the not church. an office. So, okay, uh, it's not an office, man. Uh, Come okay, on. Right, Come right. on. Okay. Thought, I really thought I had you that time. Um, <laughs> oh, yes. Now, going back to Acts, what is it? Acts chapter six or Acts chapter seven? When the office of deacon is is created, the occasion for the creation of that office is because the apostles were being taken away from their primary ministry of ministry of the word, the ministry of prayer. Obviously, pastors today are not apostles. However, 
pastors today are kind of the grandchildren of the apostles. We don't have the same ministry of the apostles, but we do have the ministry of the word and the ministry of prayer. And one of the things that the presence of deacons does is it reminds the church of just how important those ministries are. And so deacons have to have have a tremendously high value of the ministry of the word and the ministry of prayer because it is because of their ministry, technically, that pastors, the elders, are freed up to do what is most essential. And it also calls for the church to understand that when a pastor is studying, when a pastor is doing sermon prep, when a pastor is in prayer, that's actually central to his work. Yeah. That's not the thing that he has to do in his spare time. If anybody walks the way past, I've heard in the past. Anybody walks past Todd's study and sees his eyes closed and his mouth. I am praying. He's, he's praying. Yeah. He but likes I, to drool. I, I have place. heard, thank God, not at the church I'm serving now, but I have heard in the past that you need to study on your own time because there was this idea that that's not actually the work. Yeah, I mean, I have two jobs, Todd, so what do you do for the other six days of the week? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, people at your church have asked me frequently, Todd, what's it like to be in a church with a pastor? Um, and uh, Hey, they, they want to fire me tomorrow. That's great. Yeah, that's I, just, I just feel bad for you. It seems oh, like yeah. we've gotten into a weird area now. <laughs> well, I have some more questions. Yes, ask. Okay. Um, you have to check these with your husband first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so my husband is in training now in the diaconate training. Mm-hmm. And one thing that we've seen in our church, there's a lot of reformed Baptists in our church mm-hmm. and, you know, who would make wonderful deacons, but they can't be yeah, ordained right. as a deacon in the OPC. So what do you guys think about this idea floating around of like the deacon's assistant? We floated the idea at Cornerstone as a session of having mm-hmm. like a deacon's committee. Okay. Which would basically be the deacons knowing who in the congregation is good at what kind of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Because obviously there are some diaconal issues that could come up where, frankly, you know, my wife might be better at doing it than, right. than a deacon would be. And it's mm-hmm. good for, for such to be known to the deacons so that they can coordinate care. So I would separate the task of the deacons goes much wider than the diaconate. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, we've had situations in our church where, for example, helping somebody budget. And the best person in our church a few years ago was um, actually Dick Gaffin's wife, Jean Gaffin. She was great at helping people to budget. So if people needed help with how to put together a household budget, she was the person mm. that deacons would direct people to speak to. I have no problem at all with a kind of informal or even more formal sort of yeah. committee where the resources are known and, and the deacons know if this particular problem comes up, I can Give a call to this person. Yeah, I, th- I, think, it I think it's addressed. really wise to have something like that. And I know, although we don't have anything formal as far as deacons' assistance, I think the idea is great. And the fact is, our deacons, because they're wise men and they're good deacons, they are regularly coordinating things with non-office holders in yeah. our church. And elders do that to do too. It. Elders well. do it as well. When, you, when somebody comes and asks for advice on something, and I have no hesitation in pointing people towards somebody in the congregation who isn't ordained who right. might be very good on the question yeah. they're asking. So yeah, that's how just about a wise training holder. for that? Because, I mean, would you include maybe some of these Reformed Baptists or or women who aren't mm. going to be ordained right. as deacons but in with some of the training? Right. I would say if you're going to have a designated group of folks that are deacon assistants, it would be good to have some kind of, of training to be sure. I wouldn't see that as a necessity if, if it's kind of done informally but if you're going to have a group of folks that are saying that we're saying hey these are assistants to our deacons then some basic sort of training i think would be wise here's a question todd that comes up even even in a church like like mine which is i would say it's relatively small compared to yours sure is with a, with a relatively small budget very much but we get a proportion of people 
coming in off the streets asking uh-huh. for diaconal help. Yes, yes. The word obviously gets out among mm-hmm. poor people, homeless people, etc., in the area. Right. And some of them are scam artists. Some mm-hmm. of them are genuine cases of hardship. But the deacons typically at our church, I think, will call around other churches sure. if somebody's appearing to see if there's a track record or background. But there's that question of what proportion, yeah. particularly in a church where, unlike yours, we have limitless funds. You know, we oh, have, of we have fairly restricted funds. Yeah. Yeah. How do we prioritize the concerns, the needs of the regular attenders and the members of the congregation relative to the genuine hardship case that comes in off the street, that you you want to show the love of Christ to that person. On the other hand, there is also, I think, a feeling that one ultimately should prioritize the body as opposed to those who don't belong to the body. Yeah, and we do that. How do you do that? Yeah, and and that's keying off of what is it, Galatians chapter 6, where we begin with the household of faith in that kind of care. And so we certainly do that. But you're right. Any church, particularly a church that has a recognizable building, people are going to show up to and we have deacons that um, just make some of those judgment calls. Sometimes they have the time where they're able to build a little bit of a relationship with the person. And we have people who are outside of the church mm. that we're giving assistance to. They've met with a deacon. They've gone through a bit of an interview process to try to figure out the best so, so that we're being as good a steward as possible. However, every once in a while you have that situation where a deacon has to make a judgment call and say, you know what, we're going to. We're just going to pay this person's bill and uh, or or, uh, rarely, rarely will we just hand out cash to a a stranger. I think our our practice is typically to give food, Uh uh, food tokens. If if Uh, a person says, I've got a bill that needs to be paid, then we will say, we'd be happy to pay that bill. We're not going to hand you cash, but we'll help you pay that bill. And sometimes they accept and then other times they walk off mad and, and then that's your answer. The tires on my BMW need to be replaced. Exactly. You pay for them? Who, who's going to pick up my Lexus lease? You know, yeah. but you have to make a judgment call. Sometimes that decision has to be made quick, and there will be times when you're taken advantage of, and that's just a part of it. And that goes to the heart of why it's good to have good spiritually discerning men right. as deacons, because right. as elders, you don't want to be bothered with having to micromanage that kind mm-hmm. of decision. I think right. it's good for a church to have broad sort of policy outlines, and then to leave the diaconate free to work within those right. guidelines. And if you can't trust the deacons to work within those guidelines, well, they shouldn't be deacons then. There's, yeah, exactly. That element exactly. It. And there is some communication between some of the churches in the area. Yeah. Um, you know, so you find out rather quickly who the people are that do this professionally, so to speak. But, you know, I say all that to say a church needs to be willing every once in a while be taken advantage of. That's going to happen. And that's okay. Yeah. Um, but that said, there still is very much a place for good discernment so that you're as good a steward of the dollars that God gives you as possible. Practical lines of communication. We mentioned Mm -hmm. earlier that often material problems do have spiritual implications or spiritual Mm -hmm. origins or perhaps both. How do you keep the lines of communication open between the diaconate and the elders in such a way that you're not overwhelmed with, you know, every every request for a food token doesn't land in the sessions. Right. But the session are aware of, broadly speaking, what's going on. So a couple of things we do, every one of our session meetings, the session meets once a month and then every other month, twice a month, if that makes sense. But at every one of our session meetings, there is a deacon that is present Mm. um, and he's there the entire meeting except for executive session. And then every one of the deacon meetings, there is an elder present and they each give a report each meeting. There will be a report from the deacons Mm. in the deacons meeting. There will be a report from the session. And then every third meeting. 
we have a joint meeting of all the deacons and all the elders mm-hmm. together, again, except for executive session. Mm. And so there's a really good relationship there. There's a lot of communication, and we're very supportive of one another. Mm. So that works Got well. Got one more question. Okay. All right, so when you're looking in First Timothy 3 here, you see that wives, too, must be worthy of respect, not slanderers, self-controlled, yes. faithful, and everything. So have you ever had that encounter where, I mean, how seriously— you know, you might see someone who would be a good qualification for a deacon. Yeah. Have you ever turned away that nomination because of their wife? It's possible. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's possible that's happened. I will say this, that because deacons, like elders, deal with sensitive matters, mm-hmm. it is very important that if the deacon is married, his wife fully understands and supports his ministry and understands that there will be things that he cannot tell her just like there are things he won't be able to tell any male friends within the church other than fellow deacons they deal with oftentimes very sensitive and very private family issues that need to be kept very quiet and so you know one of the ways my wife blesses me as a pastor is that she just completely avoids gossip and clickishness and she doesn't ask me questions about certain appointments. She knows that I tell her things that I'm comfortable telling her about, and she doesn't give me the third degree to find out information on people. She never pressures me for that because she understands that there are things I have to carry that I just can't say to anybody else. And that's huge. If my wife were a gossip, it would ruin my ministry. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, uh, we hope this has been a, <laughs> a helpful discussion. Uh, why is it funny? It was just a funny transition. Yeah. <laughs> if my wife were a gossip, I'd be ruined. Great. Well, yeah. we need to have Karen on as a guest. I don't believe any of these rubbish. I mean, Carl was, she... uh, was paying careful attention to me. We ought to have my wife on as a guest. She'd be great. She could tell you. Karen doesn't just avoid gossip. She avoids talk. She, she, my she, so. she, could, she could tell you what it's like to be married to a pastor who passed out in an elders meeting. Yeah. So, you know. Karen is a lovely lady. I've I've often wondered. Well, I have this. He married up. I have totally. this rule. Like, it, it, it's Truman's first law. Uh-huh. You need to know some British slang for this. You need to know that Pratt means idiot uh-huh. and bird means girl. But Truman's first law is the bigger the Pratt, the better the bird. <laughs> and I think you are a first class example of I, the bigger the Pratt, the better agree. the bird. So, I would agree. Uh, anyway, well, we, thanks very much for joining us today. We hope there's been some uh, usefulness at some point in this uh, conversation. <laughs> on the deacon please visit our website mortificationofspin.org where we have some giveaways we have a book that uh, we've actually used at Cornerstone in some deacon training we're doing at the moment the book is The Deacon Biblical Foundations for Today's Ministry of Mercy written by Cornelis van Dam brother I believe of the of the Belgian action star (laughs) the muscles from Brussels the muscles The Muscles from Brussels, published by Reformation Heritage Books. I'm sure Joel Beakey has absolutely no idea who we're talking about. But we he, only, com- he only recognizes the names of rappers. <laughs> Don't even go there. <laughs> we're giving away a couple of copies of this, so please enter for a chance to win those. Remember, we're a donor-supported podcast, so uh, the Spirit leads you in your diaconal outlook to give us some cash. Please do so. And in the meantime, we look forward to being with you next time.
Thanks for listening to Mortification of Spin, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Visit the podcast page and blog at mortificationofspin.org, where we'll have links and other articles from Amy, Carl, and Todd. And while you're there, please subscribe and consider making a donation. And be sure to listen next time when Carl, Todd, and Amy talk about... What would it be like if Luther had a Twitter account? I say, go to the Luther insult generate. (laughs) (laughs) No little women. It was called offensive and erroneous. I would have a number of of rules that I apply when I get an insult. One of them is, do I need to look any of the words up in a dictionary? Yes. I have to say that it is kind of a compliment to me to be considered dangerous. Yes. When you're before a keyboard, we oftentimes don't feel that restraining force and we say things that we shouldn't say. We'll talk to you next time on Mortification of Spin. Like a well-oiled machine, baby.